friend. Welcome to the Shattered in the Beautiful podcast. I'm Jeannie Smith, an author, ministry leader, and biblical healing coach. But more importantly, I'm a wife and a mom, just like many of you. Listen, if you're looking for real, authentic talk, you've came to the right place. In this space, you will discover a friend who will connect with your heart as I share my own personal stories and cover many relatable topics. If your heart is hurting, no matter what your circumstances are, there is only one healer. I see you. God sees you. And through biblical content, I will teach you how to leave your pain in the past, receive the gift of whole healing, and soar into purpose. So, are you ready to be restored and become all God created you to be? We are going to trade those ashes for beauty. Let's jump into today's show. Grab your favorite coffee, journal, and Bible. It's time to dig in and unwrap your gift. Hey friends, welcome back. I'm Jeannie Smith, your host. Today, I want to get really personal and vulnerable with you. I'm going to share my abortion story. But then, later in the show, I'm going to talk with you about how to release the power in your story, and I'm going to give you three reasons why you absolutely should. In the last episode, I shared with you a little bit about my childhood and my teenage years, which led to my unplanned pregnancy. So today, I want to pick up from there. I want to talk about some of the details of my abortion, but I really want to focus on the healing. When my pregnancy was confirmed, fear consumed me. Confusion set in, and I didn't tell anyone about the pregnancy except for a friend, the father of the baby, and my mom. The friend encouraged me to have an abortion. She says, why don't you just have an abortion? And she told me about a local clinic that I could call. So I called that local clinic. They asked me a question, how far along are you? And I told them that I thought that I was about eight weeks. And she said, perfect, you're right where you need to be. And before I knew it, an appointment was being made and scheduled for my procedure. That friend drove me to the clinic, and I remember that day so clearly driving there, and I was rocking back and forth in the car, and that was something that I did as a child to comfort me, and and actually, I still do that today. And I remember the sky. I remember it was gray, and it was cold outside. It was in the winter months, and once I arrived to the clinic, I walked in, checked in at the front desk and uh, was then placed into a room filled with other girls and there was something um, happening in that room. I remember no one was making eye contact with each other and there were posters hanging on the wall saying it's your right to choose. There were uh, videos playing on the screen in the room that was kind of going along that same message and I realized that what was in that atmosphere that I didn't know at the time was shame and it was elevating higher and higher, and no one was making eye contact. My name was finally called, and I walked down a long hallway and was placed into a room for the procedure. I still, to this day, can't remember what the doctor looked like, can't visualize him, don't remember the sound of his voice, but I do remember the nurse coming to the left side of my bed and standing there throughout the procedure, and I don't remember what she looked like either, but I just remember the figure of her standing there and I remember the sound of the vacuum that was detaching the life of my baby from my womb. And I 
remember the tears beginning to roll down the left side of my face and inside I was screaming, stop, but the words wouldn't somehow come out of my mouth and those tears just stung the side of my face and I would actually tell you that those tears have stayed with me for the rest of my life and the nurse to the left side of the bed was you know, talking to me, trying to comfort me. I was kind of moving around on the table, getting very emotional. And she was just saying, it's okay, honey, calm down. This will be done shortly. And and she was right. It was done very quickly and shortly. And after it was over, I was escorted back to the lobby where the friend was sitting there waiting to, to take me home. And again, on the way home, sitting in the car, I was rocking back and forth. And once I arrived home, I went into the house and there was no one there. And I remember walking down the hallway to my bedroom and walking in and shutting the door and leaning up against the wall and just sliding down the wall, sobbing, crying like a baby. I don't know how long I was there, but I remember thinking, why didn't anyone ever tell me that I was going to feel like this? Because no one ever did. And actually, years later, I discovered that the doctor had signed a statement in my medical record saying that he had sat down with me and counseled me and talked to me and that him and I had came to the conclusion together that I was better off to terminate the pregnancy than I ever would um, be, you know, healthy mentally raising the child. And, and that never happened. That never occurred. So in that moment of crisis on the floor, sobbing, I felt like the only way I was going to be able to survive and get up off that floor was to somehow figure out a way, pretend that none of this ever happened. We call that denial today, and that's what I did. I compartmentalized it. I went into survival mode. I got up off that floor, and I went on with my life the best way that I knew how, but actually, it wasn't the best way at all because after that, I became more active with drugs and alcohol and entered into bad relationships. It was just very unhealthy for me, and the truth is my self-worth and image was just very, very distorted. Um, and I felt very unworthy, and this would then begin to lead me into years and years of just more devastating pain and depression and so many other things. So I went on, graduated at the top of my class, you know, bought my first car, first townhome, and really was just pressing through life to do whatever I could do to justify, you know, those choices that I made. But inside, my heart was breaking every, every day. I did not know what to do with all the emotions um, that I was feeling. And so I just did my best to keep them in a, in a jar and with a very, very tight lid on it sealed. And one night I was sitting alone in my town home. And I just remember thinking, why don't I feel loved? Why don't I feel loved? And I was crying and I remembered a Bible that my grandmother had given me years ago and I ran upstairs and I got it and came back down and opened it up and started flipping through the pages and as I was flipping through and reading some things, little notes I had taken as a child, this warm feeling came all over me, like maybe like a warm honey or something and I knew that it was the Lord and even though I was raised in church and didn't know how to have a relationship a personal relationship with Christ or what that really meant, I knew that I was experiencing something very heavenly, very eternal. And I called my grandmother and 
uh, she ended up comforting Walter just receiving Christ as my Savior that night. And I remember going to bed with the biggest smile on my face, which was something I hadn't done in years. And at that moment, things began to change for me. So I entered into this love relationship with Jesus. And every day that I would work, I would get off from working a long shift at the hospital and I would wait for it stop by the store and get me a king size box of milk thuds. That's right. I love milk thuds. And I would come home and I would open up this box of milk thuds and I would eat and I would read the word of God and I would fall deeper in love with Jesus every day. And this was a wonderful season in my life. I was gaining knowledge of the word and I was also gaining some weight from the, from the milk, from the milk thuds. But I was in such a sweet season of my life. And then one day at work, a co-worker said, Jeannie, there's someone that I want you to meet. And she said, oh, look, he's coming down the hallway right now. And I looked up and there's this good looking man walking down the hallway with dark hair and these royal blue scrubs on. And I looked at her and I said, no way. I said, a man that good looking has got to be trouble and I am not interested. She said, his name is Carter. And He's going through a divorce and he has two children. And I said, okay, wait a minute. Now I'm really not interested because I'm thinking this is not the plan that God has for my life. Actually, it wasn't the plan Jeannie had for her life, but God did actually have other plans because as much as I tried to avoid it, Carter and I entered into a friendship that eventually turned into falling in love with one another and me being uh, unable to uh, deny the fact that God had purpose for me and this man to be together. And so eventually he asked me uh, to marry him and I said yes. And it's important to just pause right here and tell you that during that single time of my life, I uh, wanted to get baptized after I received Jesus's as my savior and uh, I planned that event and the pastor was standing with me in the baptismal pool and you know he's baptizing me in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost right and I was thinking this is so wonderful because I'm going to come up out of this water as a new person but as I stood there and he lowered me down as my head hit the water the only thing I could think about was the baby and I knew God had forgiven me but I almost felt haunted by the memory of the baby and that's when there was a pause in my heart of something still isn't right here, but yet I couldn't put my finger on it. And so I told Carter about my abortion experience in our engagement. Now, he had never had an encounter with abortion, had never been involved in an abortion decision because, you know, that's just not something that had happened in his life or he had been around. And so he had no idea what he was getting into when he married a woman who had had an abortion and what kind of pain and destruction that would be, bring into our relationship and into our marriage, into our home. And quite honestly, neither did I. So after marriage, I wanted to desperately get pregnant. And so month after month, we would try. And month after month, there would be a negative pregnancy test. And this caused the abortion to resurface in an ugly way because I felt cursed because I couldn't get pregnant. And I would sob and cry every night myself to sleep. And that was beginning to bring disruption into the home, a lot of you know, unhealthy emotions into the home. I was um, having a hard time just being a, um, a parent 
to the beautiful children that God had blessed me with in this marriage because, yes, we became a blended family. And even though I didn't give birth to those two children, it was uh, God's gift to me and his footprint for my life. And so in my heart, they were my children through God's plan. And they would watch me, you know, as much as I would try to hide it, they would see me get very emotional and cry. It was almost a little joke in our home about my tear-stained pillow. And I could not work through these emotions. I couldn't shake them. And uh, eventually, we went to a doctor and got some testing done. And they diagnosed me with unknown infertility, which caused me to kind of fall into a deeper place of depression. Because I thought this desire of a child that I had was never going to come into my life. And we went through several fertility treatments, and that was very, very difficult. And finally, I got to the point where I just said, you know, I've got to stop this. I can't do this anymore. And I just believed in my heart that if God wanted to give me a child, he was certainly able to do that. And I had to trust him with the outcome. And so that's what I did. But the depression continued. Carter would say he just didn't know what, you know, kind of genie he was going to come home to each day because Sometimes he would find me in the closet. Sometimes he would find me in the in the bed. Um, it just was something different all the time. And whatever I could find and, you know, do to cope with my emotions is what I did. Soon the depression got more than I could bear and I could barely function. I couldn't put one foot in front of the next. And I would drop the kids off and come home and just crash in the bed. And I knew something was wrong. But I thought something was wrong physically. So I went to the doctor, and they began to ask me some questions, giving me some forms to fill out, and eventually the doctor walks back into the room, and he asked me a question. He said, have you ever tried to harm yourself? And I said, no, and he said, would you ask, you know, answer a few more questions for me? And I did, and he said, I have reason to believe that you could potentially harm yourself. I think you are just severely depressed, and I would like to prescribe something for you, and I'm going to give you this 1-800 hotline to call if you should start to have thoughts like that that you could call and you could get some help and I remember sitting there hearing him seeing his mouth move but it was not registering with me and I thought what in the world is happening right now and I almost was anchored by it and so you know I took the prescription left out of the office marched out in the parking lot got in my car and thought to myself what is this what is going on and then I began to cry, and the Lord met me there, and he began to minister to me and reveal truth to me. And here was the truth. I was severely depressed. And yes, I had to come to grips with reality. And reality was, even though I hadn't made attempts, I had certainly thought about them and thought about my life ending. And so I was in a very dangerous place. And I never knew at the time that the root of all of that was the abortion. I would learn that later. So God answered a prayer of my husband. Carter had been praying, and I did not know it, but he was praying that God would please send some help for his wife because he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to fix it. And God answered that prayer. One Sunday morning, we went to church, and I kind of stumbled in through the door, and the music was playing, and I was kind of in a um, you know, twilight zone. And um, there were bulletins being handed out as we walked in, you know, normally like what churches do. And I opened up that bulletin and inside of it, it said that there was a local pregnancy crisis center that needed volunteers. Well, I didn't know anything about a pregnancy crisis center, but I was drawn to that bulletin and I stuck it in my Bible. And later that day when I was home, I opened it back up and read it again and I showed it to Carter and 
He said, well, why don't you call them? You know, maybe they can help you with some of your pain. And I was inclined. I, I called them and uh, they asked me to come in. You know, I said, I think I would be a, would like to be a volunteer. And she said, well, we need you to come in and go through an interview. Can you do that? Sure. That was scheduled and I went. And in that interview, a couple of things happened that just really blew my mind. One was I was sitting here with a stranger and I felt so safe. And she asked me a question, have you ever had an abortion? And for the first time ever, I felt that I could speak truth and tell her, yes, I have. And so I did. And that blew my mind because for years I had lied about it, you know, had so much shame. I lied to doctors. I lied to everyone. But yet with a total stranger here in this pregnancy crisis center, I felt so safe to tell her that I had. The next thing she asked me is, have you ever received God's healing in that? That puzzled me because I knew God had forgiven me, but I didn't really know that there was a difference between forgiveness and healing. And I said, well, I know God's forgiven me, but I'm not sure what you quite mean by the healing. And and I said, you know, I'm a little puzzled by that. And she said, well, if you want to be a volunteer here, one of the things that we require is that you go through this post-abortive Bible study. Would you be willing to do that? And I thought to myself, I don't need a Bible study. I came here to be a volunteer. And so I told her, you know, I'm going to have to go home and think about this. And so I left there kind of frustrated, driving home. And who does this lady think she is? Why do I have to go through this Bible study? What is this all about? And then I went home and I began to talk to my husband about it. And he just encouraged me so gently. Jeannie, I really think that you should do this. Well, his encouragement led to me calling the center back and talking to another sweet lady on the phone. And I said, is this really going to help me? Is this really going to benefit my life? And she said to me, Jeannie, I promise you, it will be the next best thing to your salvation. And I had a hard time registering that because I knew how wonderful my salvation was to me and what it meant to me. So something that could be even compared to that just, you know, really had me intrigued. And so I I agreed. I said, I'm going to take this study. So y'all, I entered into this study, this Bible study, a post-abortion Bible study that forever changed my life. So we went through all these different stages of grief, talked about anger. I had so much anger. I had no idea I had anger pinned up in my heart. And we talked about the character of God. And I learned more about who God was and how to have more of an intimate personal relationship, you know, with him. And we talked about things like forgiveness. And uh, about midway through the Bible study, I was scheduled to go away on a business trip. And I wanted my husband to go. And he ended up not being able to go. And on the way there, I was going to Atlanta, Georgia. The Lord just began to minister to me in the car. And I knew that he had purposed this plan for him and I to be alone. And once I got there and checked in, uh, I put my things away and I thought, well, I had some free time. I'm going to work on my Bible study a little bit. And so I opened up my binder and at the top of it was uh, a scripture written down, Ezekiel 36, 25, 26. And I thought, I don't remember writing this scripture down or where it even came from, but I felt the Holy Spirit woo me to open up my Bible and read those scriptures. And so I did. The very first verse said, I will cleanse you of your filthiness and your idols. And when I read those words, I began to cry. And those tears, as they was running down my face, something was happening to me. And I felt the cleansing power of the Lord. And I thought, Lord, this is so good. This cleansing, I mean, I needed to be cleansed from the sin of this abortion. 
and so many other things in my life. And as good as I thought that was, the Holy Spirit prompted me again, don't stop there, read the next verse. And then I went to the next verse, and it said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will take away your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I don't know how to tell you any other way than this. A miracle happened in my heart in that moment. It literally felt like my heart was being torn down and rebuilt back up again. I opened up my Bible a little wider and I laid the scriptures across my chest and I laid down in the floor and I let God do this miraculous work in my heart from the sin of this abortion. And I don't know how long I was there, but when I got up, I was starving. And so I ordered room service and the food came to the door on the most beautiful, elegant silver tray with a red rose and the china was absolutely gorgeous and it was so beautiful and it was like God had purposed that moment to make me feel like a princess but rather I felt even more like a queen at the end of this business trip when I was packing up my things and getting ready to leave. As I approached the door I looked back around the room and I began to tear up a little bit, and I said, Lord, I don't want to leave this special place. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, My child, your new heart goes with you. And it did. When I got home, I ran to the door from the car to tell Carter about what had happened. And he met me at the door, and he said, Something's different about you. I see it. Everything has changed. And yes, it had. And then when I went to Bible study, I met my facilitator at the door. And I said, oh, I've got something to tell you. And she said, honey, you don't have to tell me a thing. She said, I see it all over your face. Everything about you has changed. And both of their testimonies were that physically they saw change in me from the miraculous work that the Lord had done in my life. And I was able to grieve and honor that child in a way that I never had before was given the freedom to do that and it brought so much restoration in my life at the end of the study the Lord had spoke to me and told me that he wanted me to write my story and and so I did and I began to share publicly the Lord called me I believe to public ministry at that time and and so I wrote my first book shattered in the beautiful delivering the brokenhearted from abortion and I began to say yes to every opportunity the Lord gave me to share my story and I want to talk to you about that a little bit right now because the power of telling your story can be someone else's survival kit. It is the absolute ripple effect of the gospel. And 2 Corinthians 4.3 tells us that if our gospel is hid, it's hid from those that are lost and our stories can be our gospel, right? Because it's God's story written in our life of what he has done. Everything points to him. And it's also the cure for someone else. So I want to give you three powerful reasons why you should share your story. One, because it gives honor and glory to a God that is so deserving of it. Two, because it brings courage to the listeners. Someone out there has been through what you've been through in some kind of way, shape, or form. And by hearing you be bold and brave to share your story, it can cause them to come forward and get the healing that they need too. 
and three because of Revelation 12 11 that says we overcome him meaning Satan by the blood of the lamb Jesus and the word of our testimony whoa that is so powerful listen I am healed by the stripes of my Lord listen we have to understand that abortion destructs emotionally physically and spiritually there is something that happens to a woman at the deepest level and it's only the healing of Jesus Christ that can mend her heart and heal her heart and set her free abortion is murder and a lot of people don't want to hear that word they don't want to say those words but listen there's something very powerful about when we come into alignment with the truth of God and it's those words once I could say them those words set me free now I want to speak to the woman that may be listening who has had an abortion God wants to heal you my sweet friend and there are so many sources out there available for your healing you know, we don't want to talk about this. It's hard to talk about. So we carry this heavy burden. And you know what? God doesn't want you to carry this heavy burden anymore. You've carried it far too long and it's time to let it go. So I want you to do something for me. I want you to take a brave step forward. I want you to reach out to me on my website or through my private Facebook group. And I want to help you find the healing that you need. Or you can also find a local pregnancy crisis center and reach out to them and ask them for abortion recovery assistance. And you listen to this truth right here, sister. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, not even abortion. Mercy triumphs over judgment, James 2.13. And there is no condemnation in Christ, Romans 8.1. Now I want to pray. Lord, I pray for any and all people who have been impacted by abortion. Mothers, fathers, grandparents, siblings, friends. I pray for their courage to tell someone today. And I pray for their healing. I pray that they would be comforted knowing that their baby is in the precious care of you in their heavenly home. And they will see them again one day. If they have received you as their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, it's time for me to say goodbye. As always, it has been my joy to be with you, and I hope today's show has ministered to you and inspired you in some way. Don't forget to grab a copy of my book, Shattered in the Beautiful, Delivering the Brokenhearted from Abortion. You can find it at JeannieScottSmith.com, on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and Christian Book Distributors. I hope you have a wonderful week. I love you bunches, and remember, live life abundantly. If you like Mommy's show, leave a review. Hey, before you go, if this podcast has blessed you, the number one way you can help me is to leave a review and subscribe to the Shattered in the Beautiful show. Next, hop on over to the Shattered in the Beautiful private Facebook group where you will find a network of friends with daily inspiration. You can reach me at JeannieScottSmith.com. And lastly, please share the episode or review in your social and tag me at Smith Evangelistic Ministries. I cannot wait to meet with you again. Stay tuned for more life-giving podcasts coming your way. Oh, 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 oh,